If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. Fantastic. Are you ready for the Word? We pray that God would lead us, that the Holy Spirit would speak to us tonight, and you would have known that we are this year focusing on the theme of love. We started out the year by discovering that it's all about the fact that God has loved us. That's why we have this board on the right that says, I am loved. Before you take any step to love someone else, you have to grasp the fact that God has lavished His love on your life, that you are His beloved, that He has sent His Son because He loves you. He's in love with this world. And then we said, as you receive and as you experience firsthand that God loves you, you become a vessel, you become a channel of His love in the world, in your family, in your friendship groups, in your workplace, on the varsity grounds, wherever, in church, we become vessels, we become channels of this love that we have received from Him. But then tonight, we're going to start a series called One Another, which is focused on the fact that we need to cultivate this love within the community of faith, within the church. So are you with me on this? This is the place where we exercise our love for one another. So I thought I'm going to start like this. I brought a little photo with of my family. So there they are. If you wondered, many people ask me, am I married to Aiden? No. <laughs> she just sits here in front because we are colleagues. That's my wife, Jana. We've been married now for almost 12 years. Hallelujah. <laughs> Same woman. I am happily married. I'm in love with that lady. We've got three boys and this was taken last Sunday on Mother's Day. Now, as you watch that picture, immediately you can see that we're not perfect. Our baby is asleep for our photo shoot. Daniel just passed out before and he's like, you enjoy the photo shoot, I'm out. Franny, our middle child, he's got a pink balloon on our photo shoot. He's always, he's making sure that there's always something unique and fun in our family. Any middle children here? Awesome. You are very special. Last week, there was an international day for middle children and everyone forgot about it. But we are so, <laughs> we really appreciate you and we like you and you bring the fun in our lives. And then my oldest boy, Christopher, with a hat, um, he's into rugby. He's introducing me to players I've never heard of before. And he only wants to wear Springbok uh, attire, which I can't afford, but he's into that and he's a passionate little guy. And then my mother-in-law visited us and then my newest son there, Eddie at the back, he, was, uh, he moved in uh, in the beginning of this year and what a joy to be part of this family. We're a normal family, we're not perfect, but uh, yesterday morning um, I woke up and all three of my boys was with, they were with me in bed with my wife. We uh, played together. We did a bit of tumbling and throwing and you know what. And something in me just was so content and so happy because we are family. We are family. It's my family. I appreciate them. I love them. I want to spend time with them. And you know what? When it comes to the church, 
Many times we have been taught the wrong perception or the wrong idea when it comes to church. Because church, first and foremost, is family. Maybe your idea of church is that it's a place of spiritual entertainment. You come and listen to some guy shout and there's nice songs and good coffee and then your spirit gets entertained and you walk out of here with a kick, a spiritual kick for the week. Yes, listen to them. I mean, they've just been baptized, baby. <laughs> it's anointing. <laughs> or maybe you grew up with this perception that church is really all about the fact that we're just a charity organization. We take care of the poor and the sick and the helpless in the city. And yes, that's part of who we are, but that's not the main thing. Maybe you grew up with a picture that church is this moralistic religious institution that teaches you what is right and what is wrong. And in actuality, uh, it's all about actually power over people. That's maybe the idea that you grew up with church. But friend, can I shock you today? The most incredible explanation of church, it's family. We are brothers and sisters. We are together. What do you get uh, at your family? Let me just say it like that. You get belonging. You belong there. I mean, who of you is not living with your close family right now? And as I just showed the photo, you started, you know, wanting to go back. Anyone? Mama's, of course. Mother's food. Okay. Don't go back. You need to finish your studies. All right? We belong there. Those of you who go on business trips, the first night is amazing. I mean, you sleep through the night, your kids don't cry. But the second night, you're like, what, what, where are they? I want them. <laughs> it's a place of belonging. It's also a place of deep, meaningful relationships. It's the place where everyone sees you at your best and at your worst, and they still love you. <laughs> it's also the atmosphere and the environment where identity is formed. Dads, listen. Fathers, to be in the future, listen here. As a dad, your main function in a household is to establish identity over your children, to call out what God has placed in them so that they can go out into the world with security, a foundation of who they are and what they need to do. It's the place where we figure out who we are. And so many times I see young people having so much anxiety because of this, because the church, uh, the, the family structure did not help them to form identity. So now the world is your oyster. You can do whatever you want. And that creates anxiety because I need foundation of who I am and where I come from. But here's the thing, family is also the place to grow up. You see, I hear the mothers, the, the first-time mothers, they always say, oh, I can't imagine this kid leaving the house. Up until they're 18, then you're like, how are we going to get them out? <laughs> if you're staying with your mom and you're 40 years old, go! It's time to leave the nest. That's the 
basics of family. It's the place where you grow up. You are made strong. You know who you are. You know what you created to do. And then they must send you out to go into the world and to make a difference, to be who you are called to be. The same with the church of God, the family of God. It's the place where you are safe, you belong. It's the place where you figure out your new identity. It's the place where you have deep, meaningful relationships. But it's the place that you grow up in the faith, to go into the city, to go into the world and bring God's kingdom and His glory to our environment and our nation. So, what we said is in this series is what we want to say is this. If you think about the church, if you think about Christians, how will the world know that you are a Christian or that we are Christ followers? How would the world know? And Jesus made it so clear. This family of his, they have one characteristic that makes the world know that they are his. Listen to this, John chapter 13, verse 35. It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, many times we think that people would see us as Christians because of what we believe in, the doctrine that we have, our statement of faith, you know, this is what we believe. Then they would know, oh, you're Christians. Or our knowledge, our spiritual knowledge of the world and of religion and of how to get to heaven, that will make you Christian. Or, you know, it's because of our morality, the fact that we live holy lives, then they will know that we're Christians. Or our project, our outreaches, our programs, our, the fact that I'm in Doxa Deo, I mean, everyone should know I am a Christian because I'm in Doxa. No, Jesus said, it's this one thing. It's how well you love one another. The world would look at us and say, what is going on here? This kind of love that you have for one another is not worldly. It comes from outside yourself. It comes from a divine source. This kind of love that you have for one another. And that's why we're doing this series, friends, is because we want to find out. We want to grow in what it means to love one another. So if you have your Bible with me, won't you turn it to 1 John chapter 4. Uh, John is the writer of love and his books is very profound in terms of love. I'm going to take a sip of water, so take out your Bible. One John chapter 4 verse 19, let's read together. We love because He first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God God must also love their brother and sister. How profound is this? Have you ever wondered, have you ever asked yourself the question, how can I show God that I love Him? How can I confess my love to God? 
And in this scripture, John is actually saying the following. He's saying, you can shout on the top of your lungs a thousand times, God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I love you. But I can't love this person next to me. Then God says, you are lying to me. God says, the way in which we express our love for him is not shouting, God, I love you. It's actually loving the person next to you. God is looking at that and saying, okay, you're loving my creation. You're loving my child. Therefore, you love me. It's the way of love. You see, I can tell my wife a thousand times on a Monday morning, I love you. I love you, baby. You are beautiful. You're mine. Okay, not baby. Sorry, I have too many children. I love you, babe. I love you, my gal. I can tell her a thousand times, but let me tell you, when I take out that trash, I mean, she feels loved. You won't understand it. I promise you. When I say to her, listen, babe, tonight, you can go and lie in the bath as long as you want. I will get these unsafe, unsanctified kids in bed. She experiences love. You see, that's how it is with God. You can tell him a thousand times, but the way that you love other people is an expression of your love towards God. So tonight we want to answer three questions. The Bible speaks about brotherly love in this specific and sisterly love. Yeah. You see, in, in, in church, we don't call each other friends. We don't say, welcome friend, welcome friend. No, we speak about what's up, bro, or non-sister, or good evening, brother, you know. You'll see why that is very important, because firstly, we need to answer, who's my brother? Secondly, we need to answer, what is brotherly love? And thirdly, where do we get this kind of love? So let's dig in. Who's my brother? So in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus was preaching. He was ministering. Next moment, his mother and his brothers, they rock up at his sermon. They're waving at him. You know, we know him. He's my boy. You know, Jesus continues preaching. He just turns his, you know, his uh, back towards them. At a certain stage, the people are saying, Jesus, Jesus, can you just stop your sermon? Your mother is there. Your brothers are there. I mean, who of you have ever experienced that? I mean, you're busy with something very important. You're in a meeting or you are, you know, busy with your friends. And then your mom is like there. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Anyone? Come on. It's embarrassing, right? <laughs> that happened to me a few times. I was in a meeting with my team and my mom and dad came to visit from Pretoria, but they surprised me to come at 10 o'clock in the morning. I was like, you know I have a, a job, you know? So they were waving there, and I was like, oh, okay. I should land this meeting very fast because they're here. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. He's preaching, he's ministering the word, and his mother and brothers are there. The people are saying, listen, yeah, I think you're a, bit, you're a bit dishonoring now. Can you just stop your sermon and answer your mother? Jesus answers the following. I'm going to read it to you. Matthew 
12, chapter, uh, Matthew 12, verse 46 to 50. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside, wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Now you have to understand, in this specific culture, in the East, the whole thing of shame and honor was very, very important. So in our day and age, uh, we grow up with a bit more of an individualistic kind of culture. Your family is important, yes, but I mean, you need to find out who you are. You need to find out what you want to do. Way back then, in the Eastern culture, your family structure was the place of identity. It was the place where you figure out uh, who you are. It was also the place of your occupation, your job. It was your everything. So now these guys, I mean, they see Jesus teach. They see Jesus minister. But he never speaks about his mom and his brothers and his dad. And someone in that culture must have said, listen here, Jesus, you are the Messiah. But what about your family? Like, are you still honoring them? Jesus makes this profound statement. And in this, he's not dishonoring his biological mother and brothers, but he's saying this. Who are my brothers? It's those who do the will of my father. And actually what he's saying in this is, yes, your family of origin is very important. But now that you are born again, you are placed within a new spiritual family with brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers where you need to grow up in the faith. Here's the thing about family. You can't choose your siblings. You can choose your friends. You can't choose your brothers and sisters. So I brought a picture with, of my sister. Her name is Tanya. She's married with two daughters and a ginger man. And uh, <laughs> Marius, was she? there's hope. So I remember my first memory in life was that day when my sister was born. It was a rainy day. Weather-wise and in my heart. I remember we were going to the hospital. One of the nurses there handed me a little packet of sweets to make me feel better. I don't know. And then we brought home this screaming pink thing that disrupted my life. <laughs> I, my parents still tell this story, but this one day, they forgot to give me lunch because they, was, they were busy with a colic baby. And I was making a massive scene in front of the whole extended family. They didn't feed me. <laughs> it's her fault. <laughs> but, you know, for a firstborn, it's always 
very important to get a second born because you unlearn behavior like selfishness and I'm the center of the world and everything revolves around me. So God actually uses the second born. Any second borns? You are God's sanctification in our lives. Thank the Lord. Any firstborns? Okay, you still believe you are the most important? I know, it's okay. <laughs> but God used her in my life. But also, actually, throughout the years, I got to love her. I don't like her, but I love her. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you see, friend, here's the thing. In God's family, Jesus is saying, everyone who does the will of my father is my brother that I get to love. Everyone is included in that reference. So the question is then, what is this brotherly love that we're speaking about? Romans chapter 12 verse 10 says the following, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And I think many times in church, we, we, we think that we should, you know, like everyone in church. But what the Bible is not, is not saying we should like everyone. You see, what's the difference between liking someone and loving someone? Let me explain it like this. To like someone, is it, it comes naturally. You are naturally drawn to certain kind of people. They speak in a certain way. They have mannerisms that you like. They, they speak about topics. They have opinions that you agree with. It comes naturally for us to like certain people. It's almost instinct. There's no effort to it to like people. I mean, if you just think about cars for a moment, some of us like Toyota. Some of us like Tata. Well, yeah, we rely on Tata. Bad choice. But you like certain things based on appearance, based on personal likes and dislikes, based on your own personal preference. preference. No effort in it. The same with people. You are drawn naturally to certain people and you like them. You can't explain why. You just like them. There are certain people that you don't like. You can't explain why. Well, you can sometimes. But here's the difference between liking someone and loving someone. You see, loving someone with this kind of love that the Bible speaks about, is not instinct. It does not come naturally. It's actually going beyond appearance. It goes much deeper than just your likes and your dislikes. It actually see the real person for who they are. It penetrates beyond the ugliness, the weakness, the things that irritate you. God's love for people, this kind of brotherly love, goes to the identity in them, who they are in Christ. And when you see that, when you see God's original design, no matter what sin and brokenness did to them, you see the person made in the image of God, the value, the beauty of that person. Love is given. You see, you don't have to like everyone in church. Relax. Just take a deep breath. You can tell someone, I don't have to like you. I have to love you. 
And friends, I think for me personally, my experience in church, I was saved at the age of 17, a broken young man. My experience in church was always this, that the people of God accepted me, they had patience with me, they had grace with me, they were always calling out what my true, real identity is. That has always been my experience in the church of God. I've been in other spheres of society where that is not the case, where acceptance and value is based on performance and on how good you do in certain things. In the church, it's all about who you are really in Christ. We love that. We call that out. That's my experience of the church my whole life. I wish that you could experience the same. This kind of brotherly love. Last thing is, we're speaking about this now, but where do I get it? Where do I get this kind of love? For some of us, you would immediately go to the intellectual part of who you are. To think, I just need to go and study more scriptures on love. Then, at one stage, I'll click, my intellect will, will uh, understand this concept, and then I will be able to love. For some of us, it's the emotional part. You think, if I can just feel more love for people, then I would be able to love people better. For others, it's the willpower thing. Yes, Eugene, you're preaching about love. Tonight, I'm making a decision. Tomorrow morning, I'm starting to love people. I'm going to do this. Let me shock you. Romans 5 verse 5. Paul writes, he says, And hope does not put us to shame. Listen here. Because God's love has been poured out into your hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, next weekend we're celebrating Pentecost. On Thursday we celebrated the ascension of Jesus. This is actually Pentecost week that's coming. And on Sunday we're celebrating the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the first church. But one of the aspects, one of the gifts of the Spirit in our lives is the ability to love like God loves. It's not of human origin. It's of divine origin. This kind of love. And that's why Jesus said, if you practice this, that kind of love in the church, the world will go ballistic. They won't know what to do with you because it's divine. The Holy Spirit gives it in our hearts. Why in our hearts? Because if you have a heart change, that immediately impacts the way that you see other people. Ezekiel 36 verse 26 is following. I will give you a new heart, says the Lord, and put a new spirit in you. Listen here. I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. If you struggle to love others, let's start there. Maybe your heart is a bit hard. You have a bit of stone in your hearts. You say, oh, no, 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 no. Now it's becoming personal. Don't go there, Eugene. Don't go there, Eugene. Listen to my friend. When the Holy Spirit is poured out in your heart, He's taking out the heart of stone. 
He's giving you a fleshly heart, the heart of flesh, soft heart for people. I'm going to give you a quick test to rate yourself if you have maybe, you know, slidden into the thing of having a hard heart. Number one, I really don't feel like talking to a lot of people these days. Everyone's advice seem bad to me. Number three, I struggle to be happy for other people's successes. Things that bothered me about myself in the past don't bother me anymore. I have categories for people in my mind. These people I get along with, these people I don't. These people I respect, these people I don't. If you have said yes to any one of those, maybe, just maybe, there's a bit of stone that the Holy Spirit need to come and take out tonight and replace with a heart of flesh, a soft heart for people. But again, this is not human effort. It's divine in origin, this heart of love. I want to ask Yaku and the team to join me on stage, and we're going to sing a last song together. But before we do that, I want you to just quickly stand still in your own life. And maybe ask the Spirit tonight, Lord, is there maybe a bit of hardness in my heart towards people? And God, tonight, I pray that you come and put your hand in my chest. Rip it out. Replace it with a new heart. A heart of love for people. Let's stand together. Let's maybe close our eyes for a moment. If you are in that place tonight where you say, maybe, just maybe, my heart has become a bit hardened towards people. And my desire and my prayer tonight is that God would give me that soft heart for people again. Won't you just quickly raise your hand and you can take it down immediately. I want to pray for you. I want to trust the Holy Spirit to pour out His love in your heart. Jesus, won't you grant us for a moment to see and to feel the love that you have for people. Jesus, our prayer tonight is that by your Spirit, you would come and penetrate our hearts. Remove the heart of stone. Give us that heart of flesh, that heart that is soft for people. Thank you that we are on the receiving end of your love, your perfect love for us, Lord. God, I pray that Doxadeo Fichar Park will become a channel, will become a vehicle to extend that kind of love 
to the world around us. That is my prayer in your holy and mighty name. Amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.